This episode is also brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is an easy alternative way to buy tickets to see your favorite team play. The best part about SeatGeek is while you're on the app, it shows you if the tickets you're about to buy are a good deal or not. Sections highlighted in green indicate that it's a good deal, and sections in red indicate that you're paying a little too high for the tickets. You know what else is a good deal? Using code CFBTG at checkout to get $20 off your first purchase. Use code CFBTG at checkout for $20 off your first purchase. Welcome back to another edition of This Week in College Football, brought to you by CFB Talk Daily. Today is Tuesday, June 4th. Uh, we're just going to get into some questions right away. Uh, we got John, Mike here. What's going on, guys? How you guys doing? What's up? All right, so we'll start with the first question. Uh, pretty, pretty big topic. Everyone knows about it. Uh, team to benefit the most this offseason with the transfer portal and the team most likely to suffer from the transfer portal this season. Uh, Mike, you want to start it off? Yeah, sure. So for me, uh, the team to benefit the most is going to be the University of Miami. So going down the list, uh, new quarterback in town, Tate Martell uh, from Ohio State. Again, he was a former four-star recruit, uh, never really got a big shot. He didn't really show up that much in the uh, spring game. But having a full year, getting ready to go with this offense, he should turn around. Uh, a running back by Asa Martin from Auburn. He's ineligible for this year, but he'll bring some more depth to that uh, running back field. K.J. Osborne, a wide receiver from Buffalo, a former four-star recruit. Uh, Tevin Hill, a defensive end from Virginia Tech, a three-star recruit. Bubba Bolden, a safety from USC, a four-star recruit. And then Jalen Phillips, a UCLA five-star recruit. So there's a lot of depth coming into there uh, to Miami on both sides of the ball. They're going to benefit the most from the transfer portal. Um, yeah, I think I, well, my original answer was Miami. I'm going to go with someone different so we don't say the same things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably Miami. Uh, Jalen Phillips was actually the number one player in the country in 2017. So I actually think that uh, Bubba Bolden, he was a high school teammate with Tate Martell. Um, but to go with a different answer than what you had, Lind, I'm going to go with Ohio State. I think any time you could find your starting quarterback in the transfer portal, it's a pretty good um, – it's a pretty successful portal, so I think they benefit the most. Yeah, my, my answer actually comes off that last point with finding your quarterback in the transfer portal. And I actually think, even though I don't think it will translate into wins, I think it more translates into talents. I think that Rutgers obviously benefited a lot this offseason with the portal. Obviously getting uh, Carter McLean in or McLean. I don't know how to pronounce his last name yet, uh, but you know he played at Texas Tech. He obviously played big-time football. And Drew Singleton coming in, who was one of the highly coveted prospects out of high school who ended up going to Michigan. Now he's transferring in. So those are two highly talented guys that are transferring in. So uh, You forgot uh, Matt Allen, though. Well, yeah, I know, but like, especially with the starting quarterback, because I think that he like, Carter will be the starting quarterback week one. I think that maybe, like, if I was them, I would redshirt uh, Art like they should have done last year, but now you have a you know, a mulligan to do that this year, which I think would help his development. Uh, so did you guys answer um, Team to Suffer the most? Yeah, but uh, before, I, before we get into that, I just wanted to give some honorable mentions for uh, the possible uh, benefiting the most from the transfer portal. Obviously, we're going to have Oklahoma in there with Jalen Hurts going over there from Alabama, uh, replacing Kyler Murray. Uh, also, UCF coming in with Brandon Wimbush from Notre Dame and Missouri coming in with Kelly Bryant. It's going to be the post drew lock era there. So So, all three quarterbacks, all, all quarterbacks coming into a new situation. What about you, John? Uh, what we're talking about, uh, teams that like honorable mentions, the suffer. Oh, Um, no, no, no. Yeah. No, go suffer. And then Mike will go back to you. All right. So, um, all right. For a team that suffers the most, I mean, you had Rutgers as a team that benefited the most. I have Rutgers as a team that suffered the most. 
Because uh, if you look, starting offensive guard Jonah Jackson transfers to Ohio State. They lose Travis Volkleck, starting tight end on a really bad passing offense. They lose um, the fullback. They lost the uh, Nikita Griffin Stewart, another tight end. They lost a lot of guys. So uh, Max Anthony is the fullback's name. So I think they lost like four or five players to transfer portal. Uh, Mike, who, who suffered the most for you? See, for me, I was it was a toss-up for me between Penn State and Florida. So for I'm just going to go into Penn State right now. Penn State loses their possible starting quarterback, Tommy Stevens, to Mississippi State. They lose depth in the running back backfield with Mark Allen. Uh, wide receiver Jawan Johnson transfers to Oregon. Another wide receiver, Brandon Polk, transfers to James Madison. Uh, former five-star outside linebacker Manny Bowen is going to spend some time at Utah this year. And Zachariah McPherson, a corner, uh, former four-star recruit, transfers to Texas Tech. But also with Florida, you lose Jalen Jones. Yes, Jalen Jones isn't that good, unproven, whatever, the whole scandal. Uh, but Felipe Franks stinks. So anyone behind Felipe Franks that can give him some depth, some depth helps out. Uh, Daquan Green, the wide receiver, goes to Murray State. Antonius Clayton, defensive end, goes to Georgia Tech. Malik Langham, uh, defensive end, goes to wherever he has decided to go anywhere yet. And uh, lastly, Chris Steele transfers to Oregon, a corner. So, actually, hold on. I think, like, just now that maybe a team that I didn't really think about that benefits a lot is Oregon. Because they, they got Chris Steele, and they did get Jawan Johnson, who's yes. the number one receiver. They, yeah, I thought they, about they did a lot. Well. Yeah, so I, I just thought about that. Also, oh. Andrew, you, you talked about uh, Manny Bowen transferring out of Penn State. He, I mean, that's like, kind of touchy because, like, remember he got kicked off the team, and then he came back. Yeah, he, he got kicked, kicked off. off. Like, again. Yeah, like, it was just the whole discipline issue. But, again, he's still a former five-star recruit. And a big-time outside linebacker. He's a big body to fill that run hole. So, for me, a team that that suffers um, with a lot of their guys transferring into the portal is I have USC. Because I'm looking at the list right now. And, I mean, obviously they have uh, McDaniels behind the – under the center. So, but you still lose Fink, who is a three-star out of high school. Um, Receivers, they lose Trayvon Sidney, who is a four-star. He's going to Illinois. Josh, uh, he has a lot of vowels in his name. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm not even going to try, honestly. He was also a four-star. So I think they have a grand total of 12 guys who were uh, – 11 guys that were transferring out, maybe 10. But So they, they lose a lot of guys who were you know, four-star. Like Bubba Bowden was a four-star. Bolden was a four-star out of uh, high school, and he's also a four-star when he transferred at the time. So they lose a lot of talent to the portal. But I also think – it's a little skewed because I think that a lot of it was um, Kingsbury coming in for about 20 minutes, being the OC and then leaving. I think a lot of the offensive players left because of that. Well, but, they also lost uh, Kyle Ford. He was there for uh, not Kyle Ford. Um, what's that? Uh, Bruce McCoy. They lost a lot of talent just in the portal this year. You know, a lot of four-star guys who were ideally going to contribute to the team, turning them around, and now they're going to be playing elsewhere turning around another program, hopefully. Uh, so we're going to slide on into the next question, which is actually a pretty good question. Um, every year, the Heisman typically goes to a quarterback or a running back. So the question was, uh, the Heisman favorite this year that is not a quarterback or a running back. So this question is basically asking, it's either going to be a returner or most likely a wide receiver. Hmm. Yeah. So mo- I mean, yeah, I guarantee you, we have the same answers. Uh, yeah, I, I we probably so. have the same three or four answers. I got four. But is he? Is he? Oh, you have four. Dan, you're prepared for this episode, dude. I only have one. I got four. I got four possible. Choices. I only have one because it's the only reasonable choice. Is it a small receiver? Indeed. Uh, uh, there it is. Party, just just say it anyway. Uh, I think that I speak for all of us when, if you wanted to talk favorites that are non-quarterback or running back, Rondo Moore's got to be the number one guy you talk about. And if he's not, you don't know what you're talking about. John, you can go from here. Um, well, my answer was also Rondell Moore. I mean, if you take a look at his freshman season, it was like sensational. And I think, oh, like I think to win a Heisman, you have to have like moments, you know, like throughout your career. Like you, you can have a good season, but everyone has like a Heisman moment. I think last year, if you took quarterbacks and running backs out of it, 
his game against Ohio State, the upset with uh, Tyra Trent, that would have been his uh, Heisman moment. Oh, yeah, definitely. Everyone had 100%. a Heisman. Uh, basically, when I was looking at this, I went down the list and I remembered our very controversial tweet where it was talking about Jerry Judy being the best wide receiver in college football. And everyone's saying, no, it was Rondell Moore. No, it was CeeDee Lamb. So basically, I have four possible choices. I got Jerry Judy, obviously. Rondell Moore as a favorite. C.D. Lamb as a, kind of like a dark horse. And, and a special dark horse is the wide receiver, Colin Johnson out of Texas. I like All Johnson. Right. Johnson's I'm not, good. No, Johnson always I, I puts like, up big numbers. I like the Jerry Judy. Uh, I like you including that. That's probably a good one. Because I think, it, I mean, taking quarterback and running back out of this is basically who's the guy who's going to put up good stats but has 0% chance at winning a Heisman. Oh, easily, yeah. Because the last couple of years, it's either been a running back or a quarterback, right? Am I mistaken? Yeah, I think the last time someone should have won it that wasn't a quarterback or a running back was probably the Honey Badger at LSU. Yeah. Oh, easily. Yeah. He got robbed of it, too. I thought I thought he was a clear favorite. Back running back award because of how much they impact a game. Even yeah. though I think having a you know an elite receiver makes your team so much better, you know, just offensively. But you really do have to have a good quarterback to throw to that receiver. I agree. Our next question is: How much better will the Florida State offense be with Kendall Bryles running the offense? So I, th- I think we've answered this prior, maybe like two weeks ago on a podcast. So I'm not sure if Mike was on with us. Um, but I think the short answer that we both gave was no, because they don't have a quarterback. So you can't really do much if you don't have a quarterback. So I don't think there's going to be an improvement this year. If he goes out and recruits a quarterback, that's obviously a different story. But obviously the quarterback wouldn't be there this year. Next year you might see some improvement depending on who he brings in. But I think that's just the skinny answer for that. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to make my, your skinny answer skinnier and say – no, because they don't have a quarterback. All right, so I'll stretch it out a little bit. So uh, Kendall Bryles had obviously a good amount of success at Houston. They were averaging about like 48, 49 points a game. So there was a lot of high-powered offense in his uh, forte that he's going to bring. But, uh, again, there's no quarterback. There's not many wide receivers there. But uh, trust the process. It's going to get there one day if he sticks around for a while and they trust him. All right, so we're going to go into our uh, last question. It's not really as much of a question as it is an opinion. Um, I just want to know, what, what was our, what's our all-time favorite moment in uh, college football? Uh, John, you want to start us off? No. Uh, I, I want Mike to start us off because I was just looking up what year something was. All right, all right. So I'll go. Uh, I'm going to set the stage real quick. Uh, the date, October 22nd, 2016. Uh, the place Beaver Stadium, the the matchup, number two Ohio State versus unranked Penn State, with four minutes and twenty seven seconds left in the game. Ohio State's up twenty one to seventeen, going to kick a field goal. Uh, Marcus Allen leaps over the line of scrimmage, blocks the field goal. Grant Haley picks it up, returns it sixty yards to the house. Penn State upsets number two Ohio State, giving them the first loss of the year. 24 to 21. Hmm. What, do you, what do you got, John? All right, I've got three. All right, you so. Three? Yeah, I've got three. So Damn, you my, came prepared for this episode. I, I, I know, right? Um, so mine also, stage set, Beaver Stadium, 2014, Penn State, Ohio State, Joey Bosa's walk-off sack against Penn State in overtime. Shut up. I, I don't know if you <laughs> Remember that Shut moment, up. But, Shut uh, up. That was probably one of the most impressive plays. He sacked the quarterback without ever touching the quarterback. And a walk-off sack. Very impressive. My other one, 2015, Oregon versus number three Florida State, Marcus Mariota versus Jameis Winston. Um, I was know, actually going to say that one. As a Ducks guy, watching Florida State, you know, Winston was undefeated as a starter at the time. He, I think he was like 26-0. and 0, And, you know, Oregon beat Florida State. If only we could have won Natty, then we wouldn't have a big zero as our logo, maybe, or a big O. <laughs> and then my other one was uh, the perfect fourth quarter 
uh, another Ohio State versus Penn State uh, moment. <laughs> Even though this is probably like one of the best rivalries in college football, honestly, most underrated. But uh, yeah, JT Barrett threw 16 straight completions in the fourth quarter. And um, no, he yeah, he completed his final 16 passes, going 13 for 13 and 170 yards and three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. What was um, uh what year was this? Uh, I think this was 2017. Yeah. So back to your first Penn State point. Uh, you know who was the quarterback of that season? The was 2014. Uh, yeah. So if you any come anywhere near Hackenberg, he uh goes into full turtle mode and just kind of crumbles to the ground. Well, yeah, because that's because his first his like first year he had uh, Allen Robinson and Bill O'Brien. People were like, "Oh wow, this kid's like phenomenal," and then he just forgot to play quarterback the next three. He years. never knew how to play quarterback. You come, you come. Okay, Let, tell the Jets that he knew how to play quarterback. Well, they, the they, pick. they took him in the second round, and he never saw the field. He saw the well, practice. Well, that's the Jets, dude. Like, it doesn't matter. He always sucked. Uh, okay. Ah, uh, he was a good college quarterback. Though. He was a good college quarterback. Well, yeah, he had college quarterback for like two years. Um. So I, I also have three. Um. I'm, I, I, they span out two of them in the same year, so I'm just going to start. One's really obvious, so I'll get that one out of the way right now. The kick six. Oh, what a game. I, I, I was watching that game live, and that whole return, the whole setup to everything, the call, not all, like the Auburn radio call is probably one of the best calls in college. It'll just and, send you chills down your spine. In sports history, I would even say. Um, and then also in the same season, we saw back-to-back, Kind of well, the first one wasn't a Hail Mary, it was Georgia, Tennessee. Uh, Jacob Eason throws an absolute missile from the 50 yard line between two defenders to go up against Georgia. I mean, to go up against Tennessee late in the game, and then Tennessee comes down and uh, Josh Dobbs throws a Hail Mary into the end zone, and Tennessee ends up winning that game. And that's when Tennessee was on a little bit of a nice run there before they turned into what they are now. Interesting. Um, I've actually just a home for me. Moments. Okay, so you go. You wait your turn, buddy. <laughs> okay. Uh, this one I'm gonna go back. I guess 13 years now. Uh, November 10th, 2006, Louisville versus Rutgers. I think Rutgers was the 15th team in the country, and Louisville was third. And it is the Jeremy Ito Ito Jeremy Ito uh field goal to win the game because originally. He had missed the field goal, but uh, the defensive end from Louisville jumped offsides, giving him the second chance. And when he kicked it and realized it was good, the overhead camera was right behind him. And I believe he kind of like turned around and pointed at the camera, kind of like a, yeah, I made that kind of thing before it even went through. And not only was that just like a great win for any program for Rutgers, that was that nice little stretch for them when they were consistently like a top 15 team. I think the end of that year in the top 12, maybe. But that's probably that's probably their biggest win in program history, and I remember that game. And just that that kick, like, just sits with me, and I can't wait until hopefully they turn it around and we can get ourselves another big win. All right, bam. So now we're going back to High Point Solution Stadium, 2014, Rutgers, Michigan, Rutgers' first Big Ten win, where Kamiko Ture blocked a field goal to seal the win. And I was sitting about 15 rows behind the field goal when that happened. Were you actually? Yeah, I, 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 I might have that video on my phone still. And if I do, I'll definitely tweet it out. But I yeah, do remember that moment. Gary Nova threw for 404 yards. Could you imagine hearing that now, a Rutgers quarterback throwing for 400 yards? Could you imagine a Rutgers quarterback throwing for more than 200 yards? Yeah. Can you imagine a Rutgers quarterback now throwing seven interceptions? In the game, oh, I, I got one more favorite moment. It's kind of a laughable moment because of how much I despise this team. Uh, the 2012, uh, 2011 season, uh, no, it was the 2012 season. This game happened in 2013. Uh, national championship game, Notre Dame versus Alabama. Notre Dame did not deserve to be the number one seed. They were not that good, and it showed in that national championship game when no- Alabama was ranked number two and absolutely obliterated them. Oh, you know what else is like a crazy good moment, though? Just like I'm thinking about it now. Michael Crabtree against Texas. Yeah. Tech. That like wow. is a crazy moment. Not only like that whole play. Like that, there are so many great moments. Like even that the week prior to the kick six when Auburn beat Georgia. 
on you know what game we're you know what game we're up. actually leaving out too? Mm. When uh, Baker Mayfield and uh, Pat Mahomes went shot for shot. Oh man, that was a great game. Yeah, well, what was it? Shot. Was do it, do uh, you know how many passes Mahomes Mahomes threw for what seven hundred yards? Do you know how many uh, passing attempts Patrick Mahomes had that game? Eighty-eight. Like, yeah. And they he went, almost they just traded blows left and right. They were just throwing hate makers. Hundred passes passing attempts. Imagine being on that defense and watching film the next week. Yeah, that is just nuts. Like, um, yeah, I think he threw something crazy. He rushed for two touchdowns the game too, Mahomes. Yeah, what what we're not like that's one of the more more like underrated games in history, I would say. That's not talked about nearly as much. Unless you like defense. Yeah. Anyway, no, it's the Big Twelve. No, no one in that conference like defense. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so we're going to jump into the SEC. We're going to start that this week. Um, If you're listening to this podcast, as of right now, John is still alive on the cruise. He has not been abducted by pirates. I mean, Um, at least we hope. We don't really. We haven't heard. But we haven't heard that he has been, so I'm just going to assume that he hasn't been. Hope for the best. Hope for the best. Um, So there's going to be a couple in and outs where you'll, you'll probably hear John on this episode in the beginning, I think. Uh, it's a little pre-recorded before he went off, so we're going to do this later in the week, closer to when we release it. Uh, we're just going to start with the East tonight. Uh, next week, we'll do the West, and then we'll wrap up the SEC, figure out what we're going to do after. I think we only have two conferences left, the ACC and the Big 12, and depending on how much time we have, we might do a mid-major. Uh, we might hit the American, maybe the Mountain West, so we might, we might hit them all. I think uh, the American might be a better bet than the Mountain West. Yes, but uh, um, we, we're going to figure that out, though. That you know, Maybe if, the, if a couple of you guys reply to the tweet and say, let us hear the Mountain West and let us hear the American, we'll do both. You know, We like doing what the fans like. So, um, but we'll put up a poll or something. As previously mentioned, we're going to start with the SEC, and we're going to do the East. So, Mike, if you want to start us off with the first team. All right, so we're going to start us off with uh, Georgia. So, with Georgia uh, coming off a... Uh, insane year returning some of their big uh returning one of their big backs and deandre swift uh also their ginormously my favorite quarterback in this draft class possibly if he declares early jake Fromm. so i actually have him going undefeated i have him 12 and 0 and uh i have him basically going to the national championship or at least to the college football playoff yeah i i think george is probably everyone's favorite um they have a new OC in D.C. Um, because last year Mel Tucker left to be the head coach at uh, Colorado. Jim Chaney left to be the OC at Tennessee. So they're going to have new coordinators. But I don't think that's going to be a problem for this team because Fromm is probably – he's probably the top three quarterback in the country, depending on who you're talking to. Maybe he's the second best. Uh, I think Lawrence is on top of everyone's list. But uh, Swift comes back along with James Cook. Uh, the offensive line should be the best in college football again. Uh, receive, they lost some receivers, so that's going to need retooling, but I don't think that'll be that hard for a team like Georgia to do. Uh, defense replaces All-American DeAndre Baker, but it's still like loaded at all three levels, and just like you, I have them going 12-0. and um, I don't account for the SEC championship game into this, but I do think that this year it'll be another close game between them, and ooh, I'll actually keep it a secret. I won't talk about who I have winning the West, although... Anyone it with should happen. be it should be a pretty yeah. easy decision. It's but. pretty obvious, yeah. So it's Alabama, but I think it'll be a good game against Alabama this you just year. Blew my mind right there. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Uh yeah. Uh, so I think that'll be a good game. <laughs> Hopefully Kirby Smart doesn't fake a punt on um, his own. Oh no, on, on, on Alabama's forty. Oh yeah, it was a great, great job. But uh, I think everyone probably has Georgia winning the East. I think they're. One of the more talented teams in the country. Um, someone actually asked us last week, if or two weeks ago, I guess at this point, if uh, Fromm could bring them to the national championship game. I think he has a chance to do it. I think they're one of those teams that if they get hot at the right time, could actually run the table. Uh, I think they would give Clemson a run for their money. Uh, any of the Big 12 teams, um, the only team out of the Pac-12 I think could make it is Oregon. I think they would probably beat Oregon that would at least be a competitive game uh, I think Alabama like I said would be close though that's probably will be their toughest matchup in the postseason well what you can expect out of Georgia 
Jake Fromm has a lot of resources around him, a lot of good playmakers, and that defense is always spectacular. So yeah. you know what you're going to get with Georgia. Georgia is going to be this favorite, and it should be everyone's favorite because they are that good. So we're actually going to move into what a lot of people also have as their favorite, uh, especially since they had such a good year last year, which is Florida. Uh, Felipe Franks comes back, and I'm personally not a Franks guy, but a lot of people are high on Felipe Franks. Uh, LaMichael uh, Le- uh, Perrin, he's back at running back. They return their top six statistical wide receivers, so that's big for their uh, offense to come back. They, I'm pretty sure they bring back a lot of their defense. They may actually have... Who, who's considered one of the better corners in the country coming back this year. So um, the end of the year record, I have them at 10-2. and two. I have them losing to LSU and Georgia. I just I, I just think Georgia's a much better team than them, especially on paper. Yeah, so with me with Florida, obviously if you listen to last week's episode, we talked. I covered that I think Florida loses a lot of talent in the transfer portal. So... That being said, I hate Felipe Franks. I don't think he's good. So even though you're getting those wide receivers back, they still need Felipe Franks to throw him the ball. And I don't think he can do that on a consistent basis. So I have them going 8-4 and four with losses coming to Miami, Kentucky, Auburn, and Georgia. I mean, oh, we'll and uh, LSU. So I actually misread it. I have him at 7-5. and five. Uh, see the thing because you said Miami I I don't know if it's just because I, I don't like Miami but I mean we'll cover it more when we do the ACC I I just don't think Miami is a very talented team I saw them play last year in the pinstripe bowl um well you gotta remember there's a new it's a new coach it's Manny Diaz now yeah I know Diaz is in uh they didn't play their starter that game for quarter for starting quarterback that game I just thought Wisconsin made them look so foolish Especially with Conan, who I don't think is a very good quarterback. Well, you also got to remember that they're a warm, they're a warm school. They're going up to New York to play yeah. the triple. Yeah, mid December. In mid December, that's Wisconsin's territory. Like that's what right. Wisconsin does since October. They'll play in forty degree weathers from October on. So yeah. they're ready for this. Hey, I I just think eight and four, like you had them for your seven picks. and five. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, yeah. I just think eight and four sounds bad. I just don't think they lose to Miami, even, even though that is technically a week zero game this year, which is kind of interesting because they will get the uh, prime time showing instead of having to be a traditional three o'clock start. I think it's been three or twelve. It hasn't been a night game for as yeah, long as I can remember. The thing is, like, it's the first game of the year, so I think Miami could pull us out with the amount of transfers that they have coming in. So amount of transfers they have coming in, they can get used to each other. First game of the year, everyone's a little, like, I would say rusty, I would guess, I would say. Um, the first game of the year is always a toss-up, especially me as a Penn State fan, Appalachian State, first game of the year. It went to overtime. It should have never gone into overtime. Yeah, but, I mean, Florida right now has a lot of controversy going on, especially with Steele, like, all going on there. So it's interesting to see how that develops the rest of the offseason. It's, it's still very early. I mean, it's only May or, or June. So... That's very early for us to be talking about like, controversy carrying all the way into late August. But, I mean, we've seen it happen before. And like you said, you know, week one games are kind of, like, interesting. Like, like because you just brought up the transfers for Miami. You know, will they will they be a different team or will they will they still be getting used to each other? I mean, I know you brought up App State. I think that's kind of, like, a interesting thing, though, because I think App State's one of those teams who gives everyone fits. Oh, they always will. So, I mean... Miami is no App State, but I, you know, they're obviously more talented than App State. I just, I don't know. I, I think Florida wins that game. I had them winning that game. I uh, think it's going to be closer than people think. I just think Miami can pull that out. All right, so we're going to jump down to a team who actually had a, a pretty good year last year, uh, Missouri. Uh, Mike, why don't off of your Missouri? So Missouri, uh, they lose Drew Locke. That's a big loss. You lose... Probably, I think he was my, probably my favorite quarterback in the draft. Um, but, you know, the Giants got struck, stuck, uh, stuck with uh, Daniel Jones at six. Which I don't even think stuck's the right word because it's not even. Yeah, they didn't get like, stuck with him. They, cho- they chose him at yeah, six. It's not like Locke was taken before him. Exactly. That's, that's beside the facts. Either way, I liked Locke. I thought he was a good quarterback. 
so now you got uh, Kelly Bryant going in there. He's going to make some uh, – I think they're going to have an improvement on last year. I don't think they're going to really tip the edge and really get going in the SEC because obviously they're playing in the SEC. It's very difficult. So I have them going 5-7 and seven with wins coming against Wyoming, Southeastern Missouri, Troy, Vandy, and Tennessee. So um, who knows? I mean, they got some they got some talent over there. I just don't think so. Like they're going to be on the cusp of being getting getting into a bowl, but they're going to drop that last game to Arkansas. Uh, I I have the same things for the start. You know, obviously they lose Locke, Kelly Bryant transfers in, but also Sean Robinson comes in from TCU. He, I think he got cleared immediate eligibility. So he, I, I think I, I think I saw he's sitting out for one year. Oh, uh, did he get? I think he's the quarterback, right? TCU. Yeah, but I thought he filed for mistreatment. So I mean, I know he's maybe. Never, I you mean, know, last, I know he, last I checked, he was uh, ineligible for a year. He fi- as of right now, he's ineligible for a year. He's filed for the uh, immediate um, immediate eligibility. So that's still to be uh, determined, but. I think Kelly Bryant wins the job over him if he does get that immediate eligibility. Uh, but they lose uh, their best receiver in Jonathan Johnson. He was a threat on the outside. Uh, so I have them finishing the year. I don't have them as down as you do, but I have them 8-4, and four, losing to Florida, Georgia. Uh, I think they dropped the game against West Virginia. And I think they lose to Tennessee, who we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, I just think that losing a guy like Locke, who is a – he's a franchise – not franchise player, but he's a program player – well, he was the starting quarterback for what three, four years. Yeah, and he's so it's a whole it's a whole different page now. They're flipping a whole script, and they got to go to a quarterback that's only going to be there for one year. He's a one and done kind of guy. Yeah, and a lot of people uh, looked at Locke as the best quarterback in this draft. So I did. I thought outside of, by far yeah. the best quarterback in the draft. I, I didn't think he'd fall as far as he did. I thought he'd actually be like a mid first rounder. I thought I thought he would be an early first rounder, mid early for uh, early mid, um, but. That's beside the fact. I think I thought Locke was very good. I think Bryant's good, but I don't think he's as good. I don't uh, think he's that much as much of a passer, unless for since he left Clemson, like what week four, he's yeah. been working on his game. Ever since then, we would hope he has been, but I just with that whole year off, basically, he basically pulled a levy on Bell and he just sat out the entire year. Um, so I think he just is going to struggle this year. I think he's going to be good. I just don't think he's going to be, like, top SEC quarterback. Oh, yeah, no, I don't think he'll be a top SEC quarterback either. But, I, I mean, I think he's he's a reliable quarterback to put into that spot. It's, you're not putting some, some, you know, some guy who's never been a quarterback or played in big games. I mean, Kelly Bryant's played in a handful of big games at Clemson. He performed well in big games. So, the SEC is a grueling schedule, but uh, I think he has – He's never played anything like it in the ACC, but I don't think that there will be a drop-off in production. So I think he'll play well, but I just don't think he'll play as well as Locke did. So that's why I have them not taking a step forward and hitting that 9 or 10 wins. I think they're going to be sitting at 8 wins. Okay, I mean, it's a drop-off between me and you. So, again, it's only June, so we'll see how the season plays out. Uh, So we're going to move our way down, actually, to the – Surprise team from the SEC last year, which is the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, Mark Stoops obviously did a great job last year. Um, so they lose Snell, so they lose their running back. Josh Allen's gone. He was their big defensive guy. Terry Wilson's going to have to step up this year and be a playmaker. With Snell gone, they're not going to be running as much. And another big thing they lose, they lose all, they lose, I'm pretty sure they lose all their secondary guys. And that's not a, a great spot to lose your guys at and be very young at but I so I have them taking a step back but I think they'll still hit a ball I think I have them at seven and five losing to Florida Missouri Georgia South Carolina and Mississippi State okay so Kentucky obviously losing Josh Allen's no small feat to overcome I watched Josh Allen sack Trace McSorley at least I think six times in the bowl game uh, that man is an absolute phenom. Uh, Kentucky's going to have to revamp their entire defense. It's But these guys now have what we call, what I would call, 
a major bowl game experience now. Like these guys know the winning culture that last year's team brought. Even though their defense, even though their defense is going to drop off a little bit and they lose their all-time best running back, I think they still have a favorable schedule. So I actually have them at 10 and 2. Oof. Uh, with losses coming to Mississippi State and Georgia. I'm a ten, I wouldn't I wouldn't call their schedule favorable, really. It's I mean, favorable. Come on. You have game uh, they're hosting Florida. They're hosting Missouri. Uh, and then what they start off the year with two easy wins against Toledo and Eastern Michigan. Yeah, I mean Florida you're not gonna walk over on Florida. I'm not saying they're gonna walk over. At least I mean they're hosting the game so they they have the advantage there. They're not. They're not going to go out and play Alabama, uh, LSU, and teams in the West. You're in Starkville for that Mississippi State game. You're at William Bryce for yeah, South I, Carolina. I, like those are tough I, games. I have them losing against Mississippi State. I just, I can't see them losing to South Carolina. I, I just really don't. I mean, they they end very easy. I give them that. They end with Vanderbilt. Uh, don't, UT don't Martin. Forget about- don't forget about Tennessee. They end with Tennessee, Vandy, UT Martin, and we'll Louisville. Talk, we'll talk about Tennessee in a little bit. We'll right. talk about Tennessee. But, I mean, Louisville is an easy game, too. But I don't see them 10-2. and two. I just think they lost way too much to I win think they 10 lost games. A, they lost a lot, but they have that experience now of going deep into the season that yeah, but, I think will play to their advantage. Yeah, but the most of the guys who got the experience, who you need to have the experience, are playing in the NFL now. Like, they lost all of their secondary. That's true, but next man up. Yeah, but it's next man up, but you're recruiting in the SEC, so your next man's not as good as Alabama's next man, or even LSU's next man. Uh, Those are two teams that Kentucky will not see in the 2019 season. Okay, but your next man is not as good as George's next man. Well, we'll see how the season goes. All right, so we're going to go down actually to a team I just talked about, uh, South Carolina. I'll let you start South Carolina off. So South Carolina, uh, I think they have a pretty tough schedule. So I don't see them as much of a contender this year. I actually have them at 4-8. and eight. Uh, I just have a feeling that they're not going to perform well. So their only wins are going to come against Charleston, Missouri, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. I just don't think they're going to show enough to compete in a grueling schedule that includes Alabama, Kentucky, Georgia, Florida, Texas A&M, and Clemson. So that's a grueling schedule to play. So, uh, I have them at four and eight. So, like you just mentioned, I mean, they, they don't play a very favorable schedule. Uh, but Jake Bentley does come back, who I think is one of those quarterbacks that could fly under the radar, because like Drew Locke, because he doesn't play for an upper echelon SEC team. Uh, they have they have three good receivers coming back this year who will hope to replace the production of Debo Samuel. Four running backs coming back for them who are good for them. Last year, they didn't have a good pass rush, so they're going to have to you know, work on that And if they want to get into a bowl game. But I have them sitting at the same record uh, this year as they had last year at 7-5, and five, which I have them losing pretty much the obvious games. Uh, Bama, Missouri, Georgia, Florida, and Clemson. To round up the year, Clemson's a tough one, which actually, that's actually it's a rivalry game, so they play them every year. But yeah, uh, that is a home game for them, but I think Clemson's just... I think their head and shoulders probably, better than yeah South Carolina. But even their road games, like they play at uh, Kyle Field, they play at Neyland, they're at Georgia. Uh, they're uh, let's see where I thought yeah no they're home so they're home against Bama but that's not a that's gonna not gonna be a competitive game. They're at Missouri so they don't play even home games that are tough at home. So I think seven and five is probably the ceiling for them. I think they'll make a bowl so I think they'll go six and six like worst case scenario. All right, yeah, I mean, you have them beating UNC with Mac Brown there now and everything that yeah. he's recruited. Yeah, I, I don't see UNC being a very good team again. I mean, UNC's hosting that game, too. It's the first game of the year. So I gave UNC that win. Uh, another point that you touched on, their pass rush last year at South Carolina wasn't that good. I feel like their pass rush hasn't been good since J- Jadavion Clowney. 
It's just I don't I they're pass rush. They're not getting any pressure on any quarterback. Whether it's they have good guys and they're just going against insane offensive lines, or they just haven't gotten the right guys to go with. But that week one game, like you just mentioned with North Carolina, I, I it it is like a home game. But a home game, and you're gonna play UNC. Like it's not a home game. UNC's no, no, gonna compete. No, no, I mean it's a it's a home game for UNC. I mean it's a technically a neutral site game because they're playing in Charlotte. Uh, still North Carolina. Yeah, but I I just don't think North Carolina turns it around that fast. Mac Brown will help that program unless he dies on the sideline, which I mean we're under one of those watches again. Oh, God bless him. Like Colin, how old is he? Like eighty eight. He's very old. I he can tell is, you that much. He's up there. Cause I tell you, last year we were under uh, like I, the name. Well, we were under Bill Schneider watch, because Bill Schneider was K State. Dude, he is. He was so old last he, year. He was like eighty five. I mean, he's still old now. Now Bill Schneider was seventy nine, and me and John said it in like one of our first couple episodes. Like we were on watch because if they had a big moment or something happened, like there's like a and it's terrible to yeah, say if they, if they took down like Oklahoma or someone like that in the Big Twelve, and they made a run, like it was. I, I don't think Bill Schneider would have made it to the season. I think he would have died. Oh, hundred percent. Like yeah. So but, Mac Brown, we're under Mac Brown watch. Let's see how old Mac Brown is. But God bless these men. God bless those two coaches. Let's see. Mac, Mac Brown's only sixty-seven, so he's not that bad, but. 67 with a lot of pressure in the ACC. Yeah, but I think I think he's in the right conference to turn something around. But like I said, we'll talk about more of the ACC when we get there. I don't want to go too far off page. At least he's in a basketball school. <laughs> so so we're gonna we're gonna go into a team that I said we were gonna talk about later in the episode, which is the Volunteers of Tennessee. Uh, I actually think I I think Jim Cheney was a really good move for them at offensive coordinator. They have a they have like a very very favorable schedule this year for them at a conference. Um, three best receivers are back. Uh, Ty Chandler comes back at running back. I think they're one year away from being very good. Uh, so I have them seven and five, which is an improvement from I think they were five and seven last year. It's generous. But, I mean, you, if you look at their schedule, their first three games are Georgia State, BYU, Chattanooga Mocs. All home. Very lot of cupcakes. And then they play UAB November 2nd. Like that's that's a, probably for them that should be a walkover. But I have them losing uh, to Kentucky, Florida, Georgia, Bama, and South Carolina. So uh, Greg Schiano's taking over the helm at uh, Tennessee. Ah, oh, is, is he really? That's a tough <laughs> look right there. Good job, Tennessee Volunteer fans. Uh, so Tennessee... I don't think they're going to be that good. Yeah, they have three cupcakes in the beginning with Georgia State, BYU, and Chattanooga. Uh, actually, I can't really call BYU a cupcake. Yeah, I, was gonna, I wouldn't call them a cupcake, but I do think, I would call them yeah, two, I think that's two a of the 90% three. chance. Two of, the th- two of the three are a cupcake. Can we agree on that? Georgia yeah, State. I agree. So I have them at four and eight. So I have them winning their first three games and then just dropping their next eight. So they're going to lose to Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, Alabama, South Carolina, UAB, Kentucky, and Missouri. You're then, losing to UAB? So wait, you, have them, you have them at 4-8 and eight or 2-10? and 4-8. and eight. They're going to win their first three games. They're going to lose their next eight. And then they're going to play their final home game against Vanderbilt. And they're going to mm. win. They're going to win yeah. against Vanderbilt. I, I think Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, rather, looked... They looked good at sometimes last year. I think we go back to like where like I think of like the Butch Jones years. Like let, let me look go back until I think it was maybe 2016 when they were like very very close to being in the SEC championship game. Maybe it was 15. Cause I just looked. I rem- I remember that was a year. Yeah, I mean they let me see they were they they were possession away from beating Florida. Um. A, they, I think they blew the lead against Bama and Florida. That was the year they were nine and four. They lost to Oklahoma, and they lost to a team in Arkansas that they should have beaten. So that's a team where you know 2015. I think they could have played for an SEC East title. I mean the SEC title outright, but I think that 
not this year, but next year we'll see Tennessee make some improvements. Uh, I do think Pruitt was a really good hire for them. Like I said, with uh, Jim Chaney coming in, I think Tennessee is the facilities. It's easy to recruit there. I think they'll do a pretty good job of getting guys in, like what Butch Jones did. Butch Jones was a really good recruiter. Uh, he was not nearly half the coach as he was a recruiter. That was his problem. So I think next year is the year they'll make the improvement. So seven and five for them this year would be a, a very good number for them to work on for so next. So you're you're just having them like basically recruit the guys, trust the process. This year is a kind of like a a transition yeah year, I think I think yeah I think they're in the middle of a transition right now like obviously they're going through coaches and you had the Greg Schiano thing go on with them uh, I, I think that they're not in as bad a position as everyone thinks they are I mean I got them at four and eight so I think they're pretty bad but, I mean I can understand that though because they I mean they looked bad more than they looked good last year and they have a tough schedule they have a touch tough four Four games where they play Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, and then the wrap up that four game stretcher at Alabama. Yeah, like that's just a tough, tough four, uh, stretch of four games. I actually have them. The I have them winning that Mississippi State game. That's the only game in that stretch I have them winning. Ah, uh, I still like Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State's gonna have a good, good but year. All Georgia's at home. Like I, I, I'm not saying they'll beat Georgia, but I think that might be a competitive game. Tennessee versus Georgia. Yes, I think that'll be a competitive game. I don't think that'll be an all-time blowout. Really? I, I think that that could be a 10-point game. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, yeah, Tennessee is hosting that game. But, I mean, Georgia's just so much better. Do you think they're just going to, like, Georgia's going to go in there and just... I don't think that's an easy place to play. Tennessee? No, not at all. It's not an easy place to play, but we're talking about Georgia here. They're going to be competing for a national championship, potentially. The last two years... Basically, what we're predicting them to be competing for a national championship. Yeah. Well... The last two years, uh, Georgia's pretty much manhandled them, but 16, they lost, actually. Uh, 16 and 15, they lost, and... They lost to Tennessee, and the 15 game was at Neyland. So, I mean, Neyland seats over 100,000 people. That can't be an easy place to play in. So, I think I don't think they'll I don't think Georgia will lose that game, but I think that's going to be a lot closer game than people think it will be. That'll probably open up at like a 17 and a half spread. So, I'm probably going to bet them to cover that if they're at that, because Vegas is probably going to think that Georgia's going to roll them. I don't think it's going to be that big. I think that Tennessee is going to keep that game competitive. Georgia might run away in the fourth quarter. Uh, that's the only way I think that game gets to be blown out. But I think for three quarters, it's going to be a good game. That's an interesting call. I mean, I guess I can't wait to see it. So uh, we'll see. All right, so we're going to round up the East here with Vanderbilt. Uh, Mike, you can start us off with Vandy. So Vanderbilt, uh, all I can remember from that last season is that uh, defensive lineman uh, saying that anyone that comes into Vanderbilt will get absolutely demolished. And then Alabama, he goes, Alabama, you're next. And then Alabama went in there and uh, they beat them 56 to nothing. So uh, that being said, I have them at three and nine. I don't think they're that good. They should stick to baseball. Um, Their only wins are coming against Northern Illinois. UNLV and Eastern Tennessee State, uh, yeah, Eastern Tennessee State. Uh, so I have them going winless in SEC play. I think I actually have the same. I don't think I have them winning an SEC game. Uh, Andy Ludwig takes over at uh, OC. Shermer's gone. Deuce Wallace off a of suspension. Is the guy to replace them. They bring back receivers, uh, but their offensive line loses three starters. Uh, defense loses a lot of pieces, so that's the production they're going to have to have in order to get to six wins for a bowl. So I have them at, at four and eight, maybe five and seven, uh, with losses to Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida, South Carolina, Missouri, LSU, Purdue, Georgia, and then maybe Ole Miss. Okay. 
I mean, I just don't think Vanderbilt is that good, man. Uh, it's I don't. There's just nothing good to say about them. I mean, yeah, their schedule is not that bad, but we're talking about Vanderbilt here. I mean, they're at a conference without, with the exception of Purdue, is fairly as as actually very easy. I mean, Northern Illinois, they should they should. That's why out of conference, I have them going three and one. Because the Purdue game, yeah, yeah, but Purdue is just—I think Purdue's better. And yeah, that's especially I, I with Rondell Moore's playing. It's just—it's a different situation. I think five and seven for me is probably the more realistic scenario. I'm trying to figure out who the only SEC game I had them winning was. I have them. Let's see. I have them one win against NIU, UNLV, Eastern Tennessee State. And do I have them? Oh no, I, I can't figure this out. Where's the other? Where's the other SEC win? Hmm. Well, you have them in a win against an SEC school. Oh, you know what? I had them at three. The I have them either four and eight or three and nine. I miscounted my losses. Okay. Oh, I, but yeah, I think four and eight's probably more reasonable than three and nine. So what do you have their other win against? I mean, obviously we have the three three wins the same, but you have them winning an SEC game. Yeah, I can't I can't seem to put my finger on it. Oh, the Ole Miss game. You have them beating Ole Miss. That's the maybe. Okay. Um, Ole Miss, I just think doesn't play any defense, so that's a game that uh, if they can score, they can win because Ole Miss doesn't stop anybody, but they're also very 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 talented offensively. So that's one of those games where I think that defense will, a defensive team beats Ole Miss, but uh, four and eight I think is probably going to be my lock, not three and nine. Four and eight for Vanderbilt this year is probably what the number I have for them. Okay, it's it's not bad. All right, so that's going to wrap up the East. Uh, let us know what you guys think. We got the West coming up next week. Uh, stay tuned for all that. Maybe we'll get a guest on. Maybe not. We'll see what we can do. So stay tuned next week for the West. Let us know what you guys think about our East. All right, so that's going to wrap up this episode. Um, John's going on a little cruise, so we're going to miss John for... Like, like the boat, not like an actual... like. Going Let on. me drive the boat. Yeah, no, he's not going on a joyride, and he's not going to be on the podcast. He's going on a big boat in the ocean. Uh, you know, Hopefully pirates don't board it or anything like that, or hit an iceberg. Sink or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we start, if we're like a sinking ship, just like call us Ruckers. Oh boy, I like that. If we're calling you Ruckers, you'd already be at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Uh, we've <laughs> already hit rock bottom. <laughs> so it might be a little bit of a me and Mike action for a little bit. Just call especially, me USC then. And now, especially if John gets abducted by pirates, then I don't think we'll be hearing from him. Uh, no, this is the last time I'm here. I'm hearing your voice. It was a good podcast, and uh, see you in the future. Hopefully. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Hopefully, Depp comes to save you. Uh, But, no, thanks, guys, for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Adios.